you can have a fantastic career with plenty of raises and promotions and accolades, plenty of awards. You can, you can even get a, a watch or a clock at your retirement. You can have a, a great pension. Well, you could have a great pension. Nowadays, not so much. But you could have a great career, and at the end of it all, the whole thing might be in vain. As we read this psalm, the psalmist, presumably Solomon here, unless it was written for Solomon, uses that word three times just here in the first two verses. You know, when you're, when you're reading a passage of Scripture and, and you see something repeated like that, take notice. It's not just there for its own health. It's there for us. So it says vain, that word. That word there, that the Hebrew, really just means empty, meaningless, purposelessness, vain. And so he says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And so we find that we can be good builders we can be good watchmen, good guards, good protectors. We, we, can be, we can be very good at our careers, very good at being a boss or an employee or an employee who acts like a boss, depending on some of your persuasions. We can be very good at all those things and yet it all be done in vain because we have acted, we have worked as if God wasn't there at all. You know, the atheist would say, well, and maybe, and maybe if you're in here, you, you might find yourself being an atheist, not believing God, or an agnostic, not being so sure. You may be a skeptic of some kind. And, and, and you hear this text and you say, you know, I build a lot of houses without thinking God is real. You know, I've, I've protected what I've built, my, my finances, my home, without believing that God is real. So what's this really saying for me? I, I think for, for you this morning, just to pay attention and notice, when I woke up this morning, whose breath was in my lungs? When I went to work, who, who gave me the health to do that? As I ended my day, who gave me sleep to rest for the next one? But you know, the sad truth is many of us who would call ourselves Christians, who would say, I am a child of God. I am a part of God's family. I believe in God. I believe he's acting in this world. Functionally, when we go to work, we're atheists. And what I mean by that is, we may believe in God, but when we go to work, all of a sudden, it's like God isn't a part of our lives at all. You know, you know we so segregate out all, of our, all the different parts of our life. You know, you know, our social life with our friends and neighbors is over here. You know, when we go out and maybe our hobbies over in our social part. And then we got our, our family life. That's where our, our parents are or our kids are or our spouses are or our cousins or whatever. They're over here. You know, we've got our working life over there. That's where we, where we make money and where we have a career. And then over there we have religion. You know, sometimes there's some people who have religion without having God in that corner either. But we, we segregated it all out. To the point that, that, that none of those things connect with each other. 
But, but the reality is that, that Christ is Lord. And he's not asking you to be Lord over your religious life, your spiritual life. He's, he's not even asking to be just Lord over your family life. He's asking you to be Lord over all of your life. Such that even when you go to work, your Lord is Jesus Christ. And so we look at this passage this morning, and we have to deal with the reality that it's teaching. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. As we build, as we create, as we make something, as we watch, as we protect, as we provide, the, the thing that is decisive in all of that is the fact that it is our God, great God the first creator, the, the great protector who is building and, in, and who is protecting himself. That's hard for us to get. That our work is really a product of God's work in a sense. We only get to live this life and do these things because God is at work. And the reality is, whether we like it or not, if we work as if God's not in it, he may very well not be. And so as we approach our work, we do so, I think, first prayerfully. You know, God, is this what you want us to be doing? Uh, we go in it as if God is, is real and, and we work giving over all of the benefits of it to God, giving him all the glory for it. You know, as we do this, as we do this, we have to do it with a certain, certain posture. Look at verse 2. It says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. He's saying it is vain, it's empty, it's purposeless, it's meaningless, that you wake up early and go late to rest. Now, I don't think what the psalmist is trying to get us to think is that if you wake up earlier than everyone else in your house, or you wake up earlier than most of the people you know, you're somehow doing everything meaninglessness in a meaningless way. I, I don't think that's what he's saying. You know, some of you, I'm sure, have woken up very early most of your lives. You're, you're an early morning person. Whether you want to or not, whether you set a clock or you don't, you're going to be awake in the morning, and you're going to be awake earlier than other people. And some of you do that on purpose. That's when you get some exercise. That's when you open up your Bible. That's when you get time, you know, without the rest of the household being in your space. And, you know, some of you are late-night people. Uh, my grandmother, who I won't tell you how old she is because she'd be very upset that I told you, even though she'll never hear this, in her late 70s, I mean late 40s, on her uh, 70th birthday, I remember we came up with a banner that said, Happy 40th, or Happy 30th anniversary of your 40th birthday. She cracks me up because uh, she, she's always drank like at least a pot of coffee a day. And, and she does not go to bed until very late at night. And she'll always be up at like 11, 12, 1, 2, 3. And she'll say, I just don't know why I have trouble sleeping. And we always Hey, well, maybe you drink too much coffee. No, 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 that doesn't bother me. That's what she always, she always tells us. It doesn't bother her. No, that doesn't keep her up. 
But she does drink it, and she does have trouble sleeping, so I don't know what to tell you. But that's just naturally how she is. I mean, even if she stopped drinking coffee, she'd still be staying up uh, later than most people. Some people are just like that. I don't think the psalmist is saying that's in vain. What's in vain is when you are getting up early, when you are staying up late, doing what? Eating the bread of anxious toil, which is both a beautiful image and a very confusing thing to say. I like how Eugene Eugene Peterson translates it. He says, uh, working your tired fingers to the bone. You know, waking up early, going to bed late, working your tired fingers to the bone. That the picture isn't, isn't about whether you are a morning person or an evening person or someone who really doesn't favor both, which is me. People have asked me, are you a morning person? I say no. They say, are you an evening person? I say no. They say, you like the afternoon? I'm like, you know, really not so much. I don't know that I have a time of day I like too much in particular. But that's not the point here. The point is that if, you, if you're trying to, to, to put in the hours, if you're trying to maximize your productivity in a way that you are just living a life of anxiety and worry and meaningless work, that's a problem. That word where it says anxious toil, that, that Hebrew word there, you may think of toil and think of back at the beginning of your Bibles in Genesis. God creates the world. He creates it good. He creates man and woman in his image. He gives them work to do. And then they go and they disobey God's word and they sin and then he curses them. And he says, your work's going to be hard now. Maybe that makes you think back to that. In fact, that word is the same word as in Genesis chapter 3 verse 16 where it says, he says to the woman, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. That word pain is the same word as toil. It it means like toil, sorrow, pain. It's very similar there. Eating the bread of anxious toil. You know, when we are trying trying to live our lives in such a way where our work consumes our lives, that's what we're doing. We're taking up the bread of anxious toil. That's our meal. We're taking in anxiety and worry and stress and pain and sorrow and burden and all of those things. You know, there's a great danger, I think, right now in our culture where there's kind of two opposite problems. One is kind of this concept of total work, where work takes over all of your life. Uh, Some of you have been retired for some time, and you may not have experienced this in your lifetime. You know, generally, most jobs, unless you have an on-call time that you have to be on call with the phone, Otherwise, when you're off the clock, you're off the clock. Yet, these days, are you really off the clock? Do you know how easy, how quick it is for for someone to get a hold of you with your phone? To just give you a quick call to check in, hey, you know, I know know you're not working right now, but here's the, you know, little bit of information and this situation happened. Or, or, Or they send you a text, and they send you a text to be nice. Like, if I send you a text, you don't have to respond until you're ready. Well, then, of course, like, we're all, not all of us, but us workaholics, some of you are, some of you get that. We go and we see a text and we say, oh, i got to respond to this, i got to figure it out, i got to deal with it. There's a great temptation to let work overtake our lives. And, and even if it's not someone that we work with's fault. You know, if you find yourself day in and day out, you get up early, you get to the office, and you stay there late, 
and you're not really making time for your family at that point or time for your friends or time to go and, 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 and serve in your church or anything like that, you may just have a problem. You may just be elevating work too highly in your life such that it's becoming an idol that you are worshiping before God. But there's an opposite problem we have. I'll just put it like this. Laziness. Okay? Where we do the opposite. Instead of letting work consume all of our life and putting in the effort, we kind of give up. We, we, we show up to work, maybe late. Maybe we take off early. And throughout, are we really putting in a good day's work? You know, we're on our computer, maybe you work at a desk, you're doing computer stuff, and then it's kind of easy just to go check Facebook real quick, maybe check some other social media real quick. It's really easy to get distracted, pull up the, the news articles and kind of scroll through there for a few minutes. You know, I've even worked with people who will pull up YouTube or Netflix and be watching stuff. You know, just filling your work hours with things that aren't work. And, and you know what? You're not more successful at avoiding work. Because either, either, either you completely avoid it and you're unfaithful and you're a bad employee and, and you're doing that wrong, or you're just going to have to do the work at a different time anyway. So then you say, I'm a real busy person. I work every day of the week. It's like, well, how many of those did you have to work if you would have gotten your work done when you were supposed to? It's like the kid in school. I remember being in high school and you know, there are some teachers who wouldn't assign homework. But if you didn't finish it in class, it was homework. And so if you spent all class goofing off, which I, I, I never did. I never did that. I was never a bad student. I never, uh, no. But if you happened to be that kind of person and you, you played and you messed around, well, then you had homework. Not because the teacher is being mean or trying to give you a bunch of stuff to do, but because you were being irresponsible with your time. Those are two problems that we have, either letting work consume us or never doing our work. The Christian answer is to reject both of those entirely. The Christian answer is to do your work well when you do it and rest when you're supposed to. At the end of this verse 2, he says, For he gives to his beloved sleep. God gives sleep to those he loves. He gives rest to those he loves. Be very clear, that word beloved has a whole lot of meaning in it for you and me. If you are in Christ, that means you have turned away from your life of sin and turned toward Jesus in faith. You are beloved of God. You are loved by God. You are deeply loved by God. And he gives to his beloved sleep. He gives them rest. He gives them peace. Look at Matthew chapter 11 for just a moment. You'll turn there. It's the first book in the New Testament, about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. I'd tell you the page number, but I don't think it'd be very helpful unless you have the exact same Bible I do. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says these words, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
saying, come to me all who are workaholics and are burdened with your work, and I will give you rest for your soul. But you know, he doesn't say, I will take the yoke off of you and you will be free to run. He says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. You know, a yoke, the big thing they put on like ox or a big animal to, to, pull, to pull a wagon or something. He's saying, take my yoke upon you. You still have to work, but do so knowing that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's an, when we work unto the Lord, we rest. Our work for God is restful. Martin Luther, so, so let me give a little history. Martin Luther, the great reformer, helped begin the Reformation that, that pulled Protestants out of the Roman Catholic Church. There were a lot of abuses in the Roman Catholic Church at the time uh, with, with different practices. They, among those practices was a strict, a strict division between the clergy, the professional Christians, and the laity, the, the rest of them. The clergy were working for the Lord and the laity were just living their lives. When Martin Luther stepped in, one of the, the ideas that he recaptured and that we have since embraced is the priesthood of all believers. That, that Jesus is the great high priest of the new covenant and we are priests under him. We, we serve under him. And so Martin Luther would ask something like this. He'd say, if you're a cobbler, this is a shoemaker. If you're a shoemaker and you're asking, how do I do my job for God? He says, make the best shoe you can and sell it at a fair price. It's really that easy. If you're a teacher, be the best teacher you can be. If you're a police officer, be the best police officer you can be. Be kind and respectful and lay down the law and, and be helpful in your community. It's really that simple. Be a good whatever it is. And you might be thinking for a moment, a sermon on work, that's not really helpful. I was a homemaker my whole life, or I'm a homemaker now, or I'm retired now. You know, Martin Luther addressed that too. He said, he said you know, if, you, if you're changing a diaper, do it unto the glory of God. That is work that glorifies God. You may not think it does. It doesn't feel very glorifying in the moment, I'm sure. But even that small little practice is a way that we work unto the Lord. We do what we can. And this beautiful idea that we work in such a way that we find rest. Look at that, that verse. For he gives to his beloved sleep. You know, we saw in Psalm 121 that it says that the Lord neither sleeps nor slumbers. And we said the good news of that is that means we can. If God is always awake, always building, creating, making, protecting, watching over all things, then we can go to bed at night trusting that everything's being taken care of. John Piper has this great quote on sleep that I'd like y'all to hear. He says, sleep is a daily reminder from God that we are not God. Once a day, God sends us to bed like patients with the sickness the sickness is a chronic tendency to think we are in control and that our work is indispensable. To cure us of this disease, God turns us into helpless sacks of sand once a day. How humiliating to the self-made corporate executive that he has to give up all control and become as limp 
as a sucking infant every day. Sleep brings humility to us. Why? It reminds us that we are not God. God can be awake all the time. You can't. God can be working all the time. You can't. And so we must bring our work, if we are to do it in a, in a Christian fashion, do it under the, the, the authority of God, if we are to submit our work to God, we must not be tempted to let it rule our lives, and we must not be tempted to be lazy and poor and uncaring in our work. Whatever God has had you to do is the thing that you are to do to the best of your ability at this moment. It doesn't matter what that is. There is no job that is too below a Christian. There is no job that is too below a Christian. There is no job that that with the help of God we cannot do. But we work for a purpose. You know, we live in a day and age, and you may know this. In fact, I was just listening to the radio the other day, and and they brought out a statistic that the, the age, America has grown up a little bit. I don't know if you know this. There are actually less children being born and more people growing older such that our country's median age has increased uh, by, by a few years. Maybe it's just one year. But that's because there's so many few children being born. You know, we live in a day and age where your career, for a lot of people, is your identity. It's your purpose. It's your place of belonging. It's, it's just what you do with your time. And there are many people who see children as a burden to their career. Children as something that keeps them from their career. But here in verse 3, after talking about all this work that we are to do and how we are to do it under the auspices of God, knowing that as we work, God works, and only if God works is it done not in vain, we get verse 3 that says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Now, how many of us actually believe that and act like that? That children are a heritage, that our legacy is our children, that that children are a, a reward. Unfortunately, probably not many of us. And, and here I'll just add, I, I'm aware, I, I'm, I, I'm self-aware enough to know that, that there are some people who have not had the opportunity to have children. There are some people who, who have been called to a life of singleness. There are some people who, through difficulty with infertility, uh, do not have children. But this idea that we are just going to put off having children indefinitely, uh, that, that we do not want children, it's because we treat children not as a blessing, but as a burden. Charles Spurgeon said this about this verse. He says, He, that is God, gives children not as a penalty, nor as a burden, but as a favor. They are a token for good if men know how to receive them and educate them. They are Doubtful blessings only because we are doubtful persons. Charles Spurgeon also tells the story of a man who came to his house. And, and the man saw all his children running around and said, man, all these children would make a rich man poor. And apparently Spurgeon replied to him, he apparently replied and said, just one of these children makes me richer than you will ever be on your own. Apparently the man received it okay, he said. We've got to stop, you know, treating children as a burden. And I'm so thankful that in our church, I don't think we see it that way. I, I think we do see chil- children as a blessing. If there's no other testament than the fact that we had vacation Bible school and we had people taking vacation time and we had people, many people in our church coming to serve and to care for children. 
uh, that, that we do what we can throughout the year to have, have teaching and things available for children, um, but also that, that we have people in our church uh, who take the time to serve and care for children. And the most beautiful thing is that as God builds a home, as he builds a home in verse 1, building a house, as he builds a home protecting and watching over it, as he builds a house letting you sleep at night, as he builds a house giving children, the reality is he's not just building a home of an individual Christian. The reality is that even if you have no children, even if you have no spouse, even if you never have those things, God has given you a wonderful family. He has given you the church. And far too often we treat the church as a mere extra thing in the Christian life. But God says, no, when you receive me, you are born again. And when you are born again, you know what? When you were born the first time, you didn't get to pick your family either. And here we are born again with all new family, a whole new family who loves us relentlessly. And in that there is an abundance of love and peace and comfort, knowing that I may never have children, but all these children running around, I get to be a part of their story. I may never have a spouse, but there are many brothers and sisters in Christ that are my closest and dearest friends in the church. In verse 4, it says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. This is when the, the tale begins to turn. It's not just that the Lord is building a house. It's not just that he is protecting a house. not just that he's building it with a family. It's that the Lord later is allowing children to truly look and be a blessing. You know, the picture is the children of one's youth. So this is an older father or older mother, presumably father, and his children are here. And as he stands in the gate where they did business and where they held trials and where they did all the political type stuff like that, his children are behind him on his side. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. You know, he may not have as much money because he has children instead. He, he may not have a huge legacy. He, didn't, he couldn't fund a building on a college campus, but he has children. And here he is, not being put to shame, but being given an abundance of honor. Because his children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. His children are there to protect him. And there is no other... You will all, I hope, realize this someday when, when either you or someone you know faces the final enemy, which is death. And you stand there, or you lay there, and as you are facing that day... Your children, I hope by the grace of God, are there, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. They are to care, they are to comfort, and as you have need, not only them, but an entire church full of people by your side, praying and caring for you. As we work, we do so not just because we value a career we do so not just because we're trying to get a bunch of money to have a bunch of stuff we work realizing that that is a part of god's good creation that even when christ returns we should expect work and if you don't like work i'm sorry to tell you that if you like work too much i guess there you go we should expect work in this life. It's a very fundamental thing that we all have to face at some point or another. But how we do it matters. 
The attitude we have matters, and how we, how we work it into the rest of our life matters, and how we let God rule and reign and have authority in our work matters. And so I want to encourage you all to seek the Lord as you work in your lives. As you go to the office, as you go to the job site each and every day of the week, knowing that you go there, trusting that the Lord is using that to build a home for you. And that the most important thing is that you are a part of a home that is far greater than any you could build on your own. You are a home of blessing. You are in a church in which you have Christ as the head. Let us pray.